celebrate the Black Friday sales event at Woodhouse Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Blair. Step into a new Jeep that you can count on. From the awarded new Grand Cherokee to the capable 2022 Jeep Compass, the Jeep lineup won't compromise on power, technology, or comfort. Delivering confidence and convenience for 29 years. Woodhouse Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Blair is your trusted auto partner. Visit us off Highway 30 in Blair or online at WoodhouseChryslerJeepDodge.com. When people ask me, like, why do you do what you do? Why, why do you embed with those guys? Why do you go and talk to them? Why do you risk your life going to them? I'm not, I'm not stupid. I mean, I get, I get scared as well. I get, I mean, I'm up. It's not like I'm not. I don't get scared, and I want to go with them and help them. I get fucking scared. It's, it's scary to be around them because you never know what's gonna happen. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think most people think that a heroin addict is a bum on the street. Heroin addicts are doctors, lawyers, yeah. dentists, cops, everybody. That was a setup. That was a, I mean. China is trying to achieve global domination and they're going to achieve it. As sophisticated and smart as these cartels seem to be, they're inserting these chemists. A source told me that there is a new thing a thousand times more powerful than fentanyl. And it's hard to even find it in the news. I had to call a doctor, call a proper chemist to learn about those stuff. And it's called... Luis. Ryan, <laughs> how you doing, man? Good, man. It's great to see you again. It's good to have you back. I mean, it seems like it was a uh, long ago, but it wasn't even that. I think it was only like six months. Yeah, six, 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 nine months, something six like that. Six to nine months. <clears throat> it, felt, it felt like a lot. <laughs> well, you're going to be the first person to officially be on the show two times. I, I really appreciate that, man. That's that's interesting, I mean, uh, especially, especially because of these few months. I've been doing a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, you've done. So, <laughs> like, you've done. So on your recent trip to Mexico, you went and... You went to a fentanyl lab where they turned, is it paste? It's uh, it's uh, pills, these blue M30 pills. But they turn the paste into the pills yeah, exactly. there, right? Yeah, they press the, the, the paste. Uh -huh. And basically get it ready for export? Yes. And you went to the Sonola Cartel's training camp, training camp tactical yes. training camp. So yeah. you were there. How long were you there? Just for a night. Just for a night, mm -hmm. and then you partied with one of the head honchos. Yeah, so <laughs> my birthday is uh, January nineteenth, so I happened to be on my birth on my thirty fifth birthday in in Culiacan, Sinaloa, and I ended up part partying with uh, with some of the uh, Mayo Zambada uh, people. That was pretty interesting. Yeah, no, I mean not as interesting as I thought it was gonna be because they're still regular people, mm -hmm. but it was interesting to to hang out with these guys, you know, on my, especially on my birthday. Yeah. That was crazy. Well, something you did do to prove that you were down there, which I wasn't sure how, I, I kind of, I was like, oh man. Yeah. You put <laughs> my Vigilance Elite swag yeah. <laughs> on cartel. And I was like, man, that's cool. He's like really down there doing it. Then I was like, yeah. The cartel is repping my, <laughs> my brand right now, but. 
I, but yeah, I appreciate it. You know what I mean? For I, I appreciate it for what it is. And man, and, it was just only you know I was I was trying to do like a joke between us. You know, yeah. I, I never published that because I don't know if you wanted to be. You know, you you will feel that way. Like okay, my brand is now associated with that those guys. And it was something just because I had the uh, the hat on that day that night when we went out. Um, I took it to to Culiacan. And and one of the guys was asking me like, man, they're gonna know me because of my hair. One of the cool guys in the in the Fenton lab, they he asked me for sunglasses, which I which I didn't have, but another man there had a, like dark sunglasses, and then he asked me for the cap, and I was like, you know what, this is, might be interesting. So yeah, by all means, yeah. go ahead. And I I never didn't even tell him what the brand was about or anything. I was just like, have at it. You like it? And he's like, man, this is this is pretty good. This is and he saw like I don't know if the um, I don't know if the tag and he was like this is a pretty good one, and I'm like you can keep it. So <laughs> now there's now there's a vigilance elite cap around that. Yeah, <laughs> no, no worries. At, at first I was I was like oh this probably isn't gonna go good, but you know what? Like I appreciate I appreciate. I appreciate it, and if people take it the wrong way, that's on them. So. Yeah, man. I mean, and it, and it was only you know meant to to make like a like a. It, it was it was completely unplanned. Mm -hmm. um, he wanted to have a cap because of his hair because yeah. he had color hair, um, and and I just like thought it was gonna be funny. So that's that's why I didn't post it anywhere. I just like send it out to you. You know, like hey man. Well, I'm gonna put it up right now. <laughs> okay, that's so. Be cool. Yeah, I'm gonna put it up right now, and and uh, and since you gave all my swag away to uh, cartel members, <laughs> well, I got you a little restock. Oh man, thank you, thanks so, a lot. Yeah, man. Um, I was just telling you, I had the um, I had a bunch of stickers all over my laptop, and some of the people now is getting to. Well, I was I was very praised at the airport in El Paso. I was like, "Oh, you're going to the show? And is that your friend?" I'm like, "I'm actually going on the show." He's like, no way! I follow that guy. The the um, the, I think he was an, a CBP officer at the airport, and he was like super stoked about your show. That's awesome. <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. These gummy bears. Well, if he's still there when you get back, tell him I said hello. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so. I'm gonna hide this from my kid, man. Keep them for my for myself. All bags and right on. thanks for. I promise this won't. Hey, whatever won't end you need up. to do with it, if it gets you out of a pinch, use it. This will not end up in um, cartel hands, man. No worries. <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. But um, before we kind of dive deep into what you've been doing, uh, I'd like to. So Patreon, my are my top supporters, and they they basically support us, and that's what enables us to do the show, and and everything that we're doing. So I promise them that I will ask a question. And then after this, uh, if you're okay with it, I'd like to do a full Q&A. They got a ton of questions for you. For sure, man. But I thought this one was pretty good. This is from Jonathan Bush. And basically what he's asking is, how many regular folks in Sinaloa are dependent on the cartel for jobs, especially the nonviolent jobs? And then he wants to know if the cartel's in any way are helping the locals down there by building schools or anything of that nature since so sounds like are they doing kind of like what pablo escobar used to do back in the 80s yeah i mean it's hard to tell how many of them are but i can tell you there are a lot of people relying on cartel jobs as you might know mexico is not doing great economically there's a lot of uh 
like bad paid jobs, you know, underpaid and and there's there's no a lot of jobs. That's that's why many many people is trying to get into the U.S. as well. Uh, um, we saw an economic migration back in the 2000s, and now it's coming all over again because of the lack of jobs in in Mexico. But guess what? Cartels are stepping in to fill that gap of of jobs, and they're paying not too bad. I mean, they're paying way better than than a factory or whatever regular job you can get in Mexico. Of course, it has a lot of risks. Um, uh, embedded with with it, but uh, but there's a lot of people, especially Sinaloa and now Michoacan. Um, those places, man, are are, are filled with non-violent jobs, which might mean um, they they have these guys called operators, and what they do is they they listen to uh, radio frequencies from the police or, or from uh, uh, Mexican military, and they reply all that. They record the whole um, record the whole um, frequencies, the whole messages. And they they keep repeating that on to cartel frequencies, oh. uh, and that's in an office, you know, with weather and everything good, um, and they get paid well. They 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 get like a, a thousand pesos a month, which is, I mean, it's shitty, but not too bad for an uneducated Mexican. A, a thousand pesos a month would be about two hundred fifty dollars. Like it's about five hundred okay. US dollars. So I mean. A month, it's not too bad for an uneducated Mexican in rural areas. It's actually pretty good. Um, Alcones, these guys who are basically lookouts, um, just stepping in, in heels and waiting there for months, and reporting everything they see around. Money launderers, um, the people who take out money from extortions or kidnappings, you know, they get uh, paid like 20% of the amount of the ransom. Um, usually women, um, you know, like usually uh, old women yeah. that can go into a store, you know, like a Money Express or that kind of stuff, where they can get out money and then bring it to the cartel. There's a lot of there's a lot of that stuff going on. Even even people who has like small restaurants and they have to take out food for a big army out in the woods in Michoacan or in Sinaloa, they get paid well because I mean they get compensated on top of their payment for the service of, of food, you know. So wow, there's there's a lot of people, man, that it's uh, that relies on that. So the cartels are actually boosting the economy. Yes, they are a lot. What would a if 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 a baseline <coughs> low level cartel job, nonviolent, pays five hundred dollars a month? What would a baseline civilian, somebody making an honest living, you know, without being associated with the cartels? What would what would that be a month? Like a baseline. I think a month it would be like 200 to 150 bucks, you know. So, I mean, in so Mexico, in their income. yes, in Mexico, you can consider wealthy if you're earning 30,000 uh, 30, pesos, which is um, 1500 bucks a month. That's okay. that's like the you know, you, you rank as wealthy. So, imagine that. I mean, you, you can't make a living out of five. Uh, fifteen hundred bucks in the U.S. You know, it's too low. No. It's too low of an income. But that means that you're kind of wealthy in Mexico if you earn that. So, so yeah. There's. I mean, imagine that. Well, I'm talking about like someone who studied and has a university and works at a proper place, maybe in government or some stuff like that. That would be the top one percent. Yeah, exactly. So, wow. There's a lot of people obviously earning much more than that, like business owners and you know. Um, but uh, but that's like the average, you know, like the average people who has a family and everything. It's it's around fifteen hundred, um, two thousand bucks a month.
Hey guys, let me take just a minute to tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? After years of driving to a therapist's office once and sometimes twice a week for years, I was able to work past some of my anxieties that were holding me back. That was the only option I had at the time. Well, now there's a better solution, and that is BetterHelp. At BetterHelp, you can connect in a safe and private online environment. You never have to step foot in an office or wait in a waiting room. You can talk with a licensed therapist from the comfort of your very own home. They specialize in everything from depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, family conflicts, trauma, sleeping, anger, and self-esteem. Anything and everything you share is 100% confidential. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsors at betterhelp.com Sean. Join over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Sean. I think the top 1% in the U.S. is, is considered $100,000 or more, I believe. That may have changed. That's a huge gap. But, well, it sounds like they don't have any, very many options when it comes to the job market. Exactly. And and the other thing that he asked is uh, if they're helping out people. And, I mean, I wouldn't really call that help because it's coming from a violent place from a violent I mean the same harm they're doing that's mm-hmm. it's on balance with the help they're they're doing. Yeah. So I would call it like what aid maybe. Um and it's a strategy. Uh I mean it's not even that they're building schools because every every Christmas, for example, they will take out food on these nice um baskets of, of food with a message from El Mencho from Cartel Jalisco Nueva Generacion or from Mayo Zambada or even still um, even behind bars uh, from Parmel Chapel and also these baskets filled with I don't know meat and um, cans of food and some money you know that is mil pesos three thousand bucks which is around a, a 150 bucks uh, that will say like that will go to the rural areas and deliver a bunch of those baskets. And so like this is from from the viejon, you know, this is from from the boss. And yeah. It depends who the boss is around that area. So he's one in hearts and minds. <laughs> yes, it's they're, a very, very exactly. old tactic. Very old tactic. They're, they're trying to earn social basis, you know, and to take it away from government. That, that's basically what they do. What do the locals think of that? Do they do they? fall into it yes yeah yeah you have to know that most mexicans around rural areas like that um they they're not as educated to know that that's a tactic that that's it's 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 a a plan they just think that these people they're doing harm but they're not harming us you know they feel like okay we know they are at war with the government but they are earning social basis because most of these people think like you know what the military what is the military doing for us nothing they just come here kill us, beat us, rob us. But these guys are actually bringing in help. They build a school. They're giving us baskets in Christmas, baskets in, um, I don't know, uh, in every holiday, yeah. uh, protecting us, taking care of us. That's that's the feeling they have. And that's obviously dangerous for for any country in the world, you know, because that's, that's how insurgencies are born, basically. Yeah. Well, let's dive in. Where do you want to start? You want to start? What did you do first? In Culiacán. 
cool account. Well, what I did was I was trying to put up a story about these blue peels, these M30 blue peels popping up in the U.S. That they used to be um, heroin pills, and now they are switching to fentanyl. Many of the people, many of the users, they don't even know that there's fentanyl now, which is like a thousand times more powerful than heroin. So there, there's, there's a lot of overdoses all over the U.S. Uh, because of these blue pills. Canada too. In Canada too. Yes, it's and now Mexico real big as well. In Canada as well. So I wanted to learn like what, who's making these pills, what's in it, why, how do they learn to switch from heroin to fentanyl? Um, so I called my source in in Culiacan and asked him like if I can embed with him, and he told me one thing that. Now things are different in Culiacán with El Chapo out and with the U.S. Um, raising the uh, the amount of of the of the rent of, of, of the money they want for the for the chapitos. Um, it's like five million for each of of the sons of El Chapo, and also for the brother of El Chapo and for Mayo Zambada. So the U.S. is stepping up in at least in sending out a message that they're going after them. Um, so he told me like this. This time is different. This time you won't see you know the Lambos out in the street, all the flashy people. You won't see like the armed people just like driving pickup trucks, and the and the labs. Because the last time I was there, they had like a huge lab in outdoors, and remember we shared that mm-hmm. the last time. Now everything is inside in small apartments, residential areas. You know they have a facade. You know like the cook. Uh, the cook has to make it seems like he has a family, so his wife gets his wife gets home every night. Um, they invite over neighbors, so they know that nothing's going on in that residential area. But behind doors, they're cooking a bunch of fentanyl. So, are you are you saying that they've moved everything from out in the woods or out in the bush to indoors, indoors. or this is the next step in the process? No, they moved everything. They're so like, it's complete. They've already restructured their entire fentanyl operation. Yeah, the entire like criminal operation, everything. Now the order is like you cannot go out with a Lambo, you know, with flashy cars. Everybody's going to move in Nissan, Versas, and like family cars and like that. Um, if you want to carry weapons, you're no longer allowed, unless you're doing an operation, you're no longer, longer allowed to go out with a case in the streets. You're going to have a handgun, you know, like a 9mm or some stuff like that. Um, laboratories are going to be indoors and smaller quantities, but more laboratories. They've moved it under completely underground. They're underground, yes. Well, looking at, looking at this new operation, it looks a it looks a hell of a lot more sophisticated than what you showed us last time. Definitely, man. I mean, it feels it feels less uh, sophisticated because, of course, when you have a footage from a lab outdoors, which is like a huge lab cooking out of a huge pot, and now you go to a house and they have like a, this small pot and they're just like one cook there. And you will see, it seems like well, nothing's really happening here. It's, this is not even attractive for... For news, you know, because it looks like very small. But mm-hmm. when they tell you, like, we have lab here and then another there and then another one there and then another one there. And you see, like, they have up over 200 fucking labs around the city. You're like, wow, this is even a bigger operation, but just very fragmented. And yeah. that, that, that works as well for them because if they get a lab, they won't lose that much money, you know. They'll just move to another location and... and they will only lose one lap out of a fucking 200, so that works for them. 
Man, these guys are good at... Yeah, they move quick, they move fast, adapting. they get orders. Yes, and um, and they show me uh, a, a voice message they got from what they say was El Viejón, which is Mayo Zambada. I can corroborate it was El Mayo, but his people were talking that this was a message recently from El Mayo calling everyone because they said like, I don't want to see you with cameras. I don't want to see you posting stuff in social media. I'm paying you to be warriors, to cook, and not to be YouTube stars. So he prohibited all cameras around the place, all like, you know, like videos and clips. So that was targeting me directly. That was affecting me directly when I, the, this last time I was there. So they were like pretty nervous, pretty skeptical about, about taking me up there with a, with a camera. So I, I, what they wanted to do is like, we're gonna record everything on on my cell phone and then and then share it to you. And I'm like, nah, man, that's not gonna work for me. I need to, I need to be able to record at least on my own phone, you know. Um, and yeah, they said okay after negotiating a bit. Um, but yeah, apparently, if they don't want anybody, if they don't want any of this getting out, why why would they allow you? How how does it work when you call your contact? Mm -hmm. Is that run up the chain to? Is that, is that basically run through an approval process where yes. different levels have to approve that you're coming in? Exactly, but not not all the way up. Otherwise, I would I will never be able to, to go inside on these operations. These guys trust me because I've been talking with them for eight years now, you know, and they know I'm not putting them at risk. I'm never sharing their information. I'm never sharing their names, their whereabouts, you know. I just go for what I, for what I go. And when they say something like, you know what, leave this out, or can you change my voice, or can you hide my face, because I noticed you moved the cell phone and then you caught a little bit of my face, I will just do it, you know, because I don't want to be in bad terms with them, especially with something that I, it's not going to be useful. You know what, I mean, I wouldn't be any of any use to me to share who these guys are, you know. Everybody knows, the military knows. Um, the other traffickers knows who these guys are and they're still operating and that's for a reason they have their own arrangements and i'm not gonna get in the middle of that shit you know i just want to tell a story and say like this is the reality when you're talking about fentanyl this is what you're getting when you're using m30 pills this is how they're made um i had because uh, i posted the video on on, on my channel like a, a, a small video and um and I had a guy say, like, man, I think I'm stopping using that stuff now that I know exactly where this shit coming from. Because wow. it looks like all like super unhealthy, of course. What uh, I'm just curious, before we dive into production, um, are they aware that this footage is going to be on this show? Not, not specifically on this show, but they know that I was going to share uh, that for, for news. You know, Did they see your last show here? They see, they, they saw that, yes. I mean, many of them don't speak English. They just ask me, what was that about? And I told them that this was a YouTube channel. I, of course, told them that you had a, an extensive background in, in military and that that was pretty cool. And they were like, uh, and, and, and it, my guy was like, is he, do you think he's tracking you when you come here? And I'm like, no, man, like, I, I, I don't think so. And he's like, okay, I'll get it. And obviously they ask questions. They ask me like, what are you doing? What is this for? Uh, like the uh, a German uh, that I met recently and we went to Culiacan and um, they had her investigated, you know, because I told them like, they're Germans. Then they came back at me and said like, well, they're Germans, but they live in the US, man. 
they're not Germans. They from, they're from the U.S. And I'm like, oh shit, how do you know that? And they're like, we investigated them. Who were they? And yeah, they, they're out from they're out of Washington D.C. And I'm like, wow, seems like you have a good team <laughs> research, no. you know. They so yes, I mean, they know that I that I obviously if I if I go there and I have my phone out, that's for sharing, you know. Okay. And and, and yeah. Because uh, a lot of stuff they ask me to leave out. A lot of stuff, and I, and and sometimes I push the line. You know, sometimes I do push the line and say like, "Hey, man, I need to record this," and they're like, "No, no, no." And I'm like, "Man, trust me on this one. I'm not gonna share location or anything." Like on my way there, they're like, "No way, you can film your way there." And I'm like, "Yeah, but I need some road shots, you know, to edit on my story." And they're like, "You can do that somewhere else, but not here." Interesting. Uh, okay, so sometimes I have to, you know, do road shots, not there, but on any other highway. Yeah. So yeah. Interesting. Well, let's let's get into production. Yeah. <laughs> so first, the first place I went into was a, as I was telling you, a residential house. We went in um, by night, like 10, 10 p.m. Um, and. They had everything set up, but that that first in that first laboratory, it was not a laboratory properly. That was first like a packaging station. They have everything sealed vacuum vacuum. Um, they had some uh, detergent to wash the the bags so they won't smell. They have a bunch of different stuff, and the cooks explained me that all everything that he was packing there was going to go to the border of Mexicali or Tijuana to get smuggled into. San Diego, Calexico, and then way up into the U.S. So I asked many questions down there, like, why did you start doing this job? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm an engineer, and I don't get that much of a money from, from being an engineer. And then a friend of mine who was in, into this, he told me that I was going to get involved, if I wanted to get involved in cooking pills. That was not dangerous, that I'm not going to be on the front lines or, or involved in any violent environment. Um, Did you say cocaine pills? Yeah, no, fentanyl pills. I'm oh, sorry. okay. I might, I might have said cocaine pills, right? No. Do they have cocaine pills? No, I don't think so. I didn't think so either. <laughs> no, fentanyl, the uh, M30s. So he was like, and how much are they going to pay? And they paid him around 500 grand a month, which is not bad. Five hundred thousand dollars a month. Five hundred. No, no, no. I'm sorry. No, five thousand. Five thousand. Five thousand bucks okay. a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's not bad. You know, in Mexico, that's uh, that's like the ten, ten thousand, a uh, hundred thousand pesos a month. He's doing well, man. I mean, that's a lot of money for for a Mexican at his level. And um, so. They brought in a Chinese chemist, same story as the other lab I went the last the last time. They told me again about this Chinese chemist coming over. But apparently the other chemist who came over was teaching them to lace fentanyl with with heroin. The quantities and how to take care of fentanyl um, and all that stuff. But right now they teach him how to do pills, how to press pills, how to test them for quality. Um, all that stuff. So, and I was like, "How how did that happen?" And he's like, "Well, we had a translator between us. Um, this chemist was here for about three months, just showing me the process. He was like, "You don't get to ask questions; you just get to see and stay put." 
So I learned and took notes for three months. And after three months, he was like, okay, now it's your turn to cook. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to answer questions. You're going to do a batch and we're going to send it over to the U.S. And if it works and if the uh, people get, we get good feedback, then you're set and the Chinese chemist is out. And he started cooking and apparently they sent off his package to the U.S. He made it well. They got feedback that pills were good. And, and he was like, okay, now you're all cook now. Man, are the, is this a whole other team of Chinese chemists? No, it's a whole other team, yes. It's a whole different group. Yes. Then the, then the, ones, uh, then the one I told you last time, right? The, yeah. The outdoors thing. Yeah, that was a completely different team. Are, are the, sorry, what is the pill, M35? M30. M30. Are those f straight fentanyl? Straight fentanyl, yes. So they went from <clears throat> lacing heroin to fentanyl to, to now it's straight fentanyl. Straight fentanyl, yes. And this is all basically derived from China. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, They've uh, got a great long game. Yeah, man. I mean, it's... It's interesting because they, they, don't, they don't see... They, they don't really see the long run. They don't see the whole situation there because I was like... Why China? Why Chinese? And I'm like, I don't know, man, just following orders. My, my boss got a hook of a man in China. And I'm like, how? How does he get a hold of a chemist in China? All the way from Sinaloa, you know? And he's like, apparently a military, Mexican military member told him that, that this military member was posted in Manzanillo, which is the main port of imports from China, where the big um, containers come from China. Mm -hmm. It's Manzanillo. Um, Colima, which is at fucking war right now, and well, no wonder why. Um, so this military was set up in that port, uh, and he somehow met this Chinese organization bringing in precursors. That was a setup. That was a, I mean, that's that was a, setup. a setup. China is trying to achieve global domination, and they're going to achieve it. And yeah, they're. And Succeeding. I mean, because you got to think, there's chemists all over the world, <clears throat> mm -hmm. all over the world. It can't be that hard mm -hmm. to find somebody that knows how to make fentanyl. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't imagine it would be easy, but you don't have to go all the way across the world to find a chemist. Yeah. They're they're inserting these chemists or, or in, into into Mexico, Mexico, knowing that it's killing the population of the United States and yeah. Canada. Yeah, because those are the guys like in charge of telling cooks the quantities. Mm -hmm. And if the quantities are killing people in the U.S., that means the fucking quantities of the drug are being controlled by China. You know? yeah. They come here and they say like, okay, you put this much amount of fentanyl and then you put this much amount of um, acetone and this much amount of alcohol and this much amount of something to make the paste. I can't remember what was that. And then you add uh, the color, the blue vegetable color to make the pill. Because different markets ask for different colors. You know, like in Chicago, apparently they don't like that blue. They are used to like sort of like a greenish pill. So mm. they add like more uh, yellowish and then blue. And if they're cooking for uh, Los Angeles market, they will say like, okay, they want it like dark blue. So we're gonna add like more blue. So. They have the whole so they so it's basically it's the exact same it's the exact same substance yeah. just different colors different colors because because if people in the streets see like 
they're used to a greenish peel and they, they see like a pink one. They will say like, no, this is, I don't know what this is. And they start getting suspicious of the peel and not selling enough. So they have to know exactly which market is used to which color. You know? um, so, well, that makes sense. So you mentioned there's what, 200 labs ish mm -hmm. estimated 200 labs. And where were you? One city, Culiacán, which is not even that big of a city, you know? So is each lab in charge of like a different city? No, I think each uh, each lab it's for a whole organization, which is the Mayo Zambada organization. Okay. Um, well, there's another one which is in Alba Cartel as well, which is the faction of those Chapitos, the, the Chapo's sons. And they're kind of like fighting to who's gonna get on top of the chain of the Sinaloa Cartel. Um, but now the U.S. raising the uh, the um, rat, it's not called ransom. How do you call it? It's uh, the reward for Los Chapitos and, and for El Mayo Zambada, that kind of like make them stick together again. They were like starting a fight and now that action was like, okay, we'll fight later. Let's stick together to survive this. And you cook your own thing. I'm going to cook my own thing. So they started like cooking. But we're talking about each day, every day, his work is to produce 50,000 peels. 50,000 each day. One 50, lap. 50,000 pills, 50, pills a day. One lap. Times 200. Mm -hmm. I don't, I have no idea what that is. I have no idea either, but that's, that's why the U.S. is getting these huge busts. And that might be only 10% of the whole, you know, pills coming over the border. At least that's what, the, what, a, what a CBP officer told me. Do you have a calculator on your phone? 50,000 pills a day times 200. 50,000 times 200, that's 10 million. Times 365. <laughs> that's a number that I even calculate. That's like 3 billion and I don't know. 3 billion 650 million fentanyl pills a year, pills a year from one small one city. city. Yeah, they're cooking all over Michoacán, Colima, Ciudad Juárez, Chihuahua. They're cooking all over, man. And I mean, I could, I could think that Culiacán might be one of the biggest producing cities. That's only me thinking because that's where the organization is based. There's only 352 million in the U.S. Yeah. People. Mm-hmm. But addicts, they, they don't use just one pill a day, you know, they use two, three pills a day. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm guessing there's a lot of more pills stashed for years, yeah. stash houses to keep flowing, you know. Wow. That's and a we're major talking about a so, problem. That's huge, man. That's huge. That's, that's huge fucking contamination to our whole country. Yeah. I mean, I think most people think that. A heroin addict is a bum on the street. Heroin addicts are doctors, lawyers, yeah, dentists, cops, everybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody's hooked on this shit. Yeah, you know, it's it's. You probably bump into fifty of them a day. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're working. My point is, they're working professionals. Mm -hmm. This is killing everybody. Killing everybody, man, and and it's and it's. I thought I. Yesterday before, no, the um, on Monday, 
I talked to an organization that helps addicts in Tijuana. And what they do is basically they, uh, they, deliver, um, they deliver needles, clean needles to addicts. So they say like, we're not gonna stop this. So we're just gonna share some clean needles. So people stop getting uh, infected by a lot of stuff, you know. And by doing that, they also did a research and they gather old needles from addicts and during seven months. And from all the needles they gather in Tijuana, 70 to 80% had traces of fentanyl. We're talking about, the, and they don't even know. They think they're shooting heroin. And we're talking wow. about the drug that stays in Mexico that don't even make it across the border and they had to sell it. Because most of the drugs that the Mexican government sees ends up back in the street. They sell it back to, to cartels. Um, so imagine how many heroin let alone fentanyl pills, is, is getting into the U.S. laced with fentanyl. Wow. Um, I've been reading a lot about cocaine laced with fentanyl, weed laced with fentanyl. I, have found, I haven't found no real evidence that that is happening. Um, when I talk to um, labs, cartels, uh, organizations helping addicts, addicts themselves, law enforcement, I only get response, uh, positive response from law enforcement in the U.S. that they found cocaine laced with fentanyl, which doesn't really make sense to me, to be honest, and doesn't make sense to anyone but to law enforcement in the U.S. So I guess it's a way that we're, they're trying to scare people out of several drugs, see if they can de-escalate the consumption of, of drugs. That's my thought. That's my take. But, uh, but what, what I have seen personally and learned from a lot of contacts is heroin laced with fentanyl and and in only one city in Mexico, seventy to eighty percent of the heroin was laced with fentanyl. So that's that's a huge problem. And uh, and just today, a source told me that there is a new thing, a thousand times more powerful than fentanyl, and it's hard to even find it in the news. I had to call a doctor and I had to call a proper chemist. To learn about those stuff and it's called uh i can't even remember the name but it's called like nitesone or nitesona or something like that i'll share that with you so we can keep an eye on that because apparently that's a new wave so so this so it went from heroin to fentanyl to this and it's just and now that it's time. just starting you know i mean it's horrible that this is happening but i mean you have two different organizations both getting a win here you have China, who wants to weaken the United States population, mm -hmm. which is happening at a record pace. And then you have them utilizing the cartels, and the cartels get the money. Yeah, exactly. Cartels so it's two getting, goals being achieved at one time. Definitely, man. Cartels are making tons of money. I'm telling you, one of these pills is um, the production cost is uh, 50 US cents. And that's it. That's it. And they're selling it for around four to five dollars each pill. Wow. So the margin of each pill, it's huge. Imagine three three billion pills a year costing each pill five bucks. That's a lot of money. So are needles becoming obsolete? Needles, not necessarily because there's a lot of people still using heroin and, and shooting up heroin with fentanyl even if they don't know or they do know because there are some addicts that they, they know it's laced with fentanyl and they like it better because it's stronger so they have to use less 
um, and and have like a longer uh, high. trip or high. Or high. Mm -hmm. So, but there's a lot of people that they don't know, and they keep shooting it as if it was regular heroin, and they pass out and they fucking die. I mean, this year alone, I think the U.S. had what over a hundred thousand deadly overdoses. I'll bet it's like a that. lot more than that. I'm unfamiliar with the numbers, but... It's something around those fucking numbers, and imagine that. I mean, scaling the whole a whole fucking population. But at the same time, it's getting a whole country addict, addicted to a substance they control. Yeah. So if they imagine what's going to happen if they caught supply. A whole fucking revolution is going to pop up in the U.S., man. There's a lot of people already hooked up on, on this stuff. Yeah. So, so yeah, wow. it's it's crazy and it's uh, and it's dangerous and it's very profitable for Mexican criminal organizations, uh, which I'm not calling them drug cartels anymore. I decided not to call them drug cartels. Too. They are like doing everything else but drugs. Drugs is just one part of their funding, you know, to to keep funding themselves. Would you say that's the top funding? Their main source of revenue? No, I think I think their top funding. Uh, will be uh, getting around politics, setting up politicians and getting money from them. corruption. Basically, that's that's the, their main uh, funding right now. How are they making money from that? Because there's there's there there was a time like maybe ten years ago when there were still drug organizations that they would get money from a politician to let let, let them alone and let them work and, and you know like transit drugs through their city or stuff like that. So they pay the politicians. They used to pay politicians. They used to, you know, like bribe politicians, basically. Mm -hmm. So like, okay, I'm gonna. So that was a uh, that was not an income. That was an outcome. You know, that was this... like, okay, I'm losing money to pay politicians. Still allow me to keep making money. Now it's the other way around. Now they have control the whole fucking country, and now they're they're saying like we had elections. Um, I think last year or two years ago, and we had uh, over 150 candidates killed during elections 150 politicians killed in a single election period wow and that was only because cartels wanted to set up their own people and that was a show of force like if you're not stepping out i'm gonna i'm gonna leave you out of the equation by killing you and setting up my own people so now they're setting up their own people their own majors their own governors their own chief of police so they don't have to pay them anymore so they're like, okay, you don't like it, I'm gonna fucking kill you. Now, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna set you up as a governor of this state, and we're gonna do business, both of us. You're gonna give me all contracts for construction, for road work, for building um, government buildings, all the contracts of imports, exports, all of the government contracts, you're gonna give them to me. I'm gonna handle that. And that's making them shit tons of money because they're getting all government contracts. Wow. And who's going to fight that? I wonder if the United States is going to follow suit with that. <laughs> I, mean, I just did an interview about all these all these politicians that are being paid off by China. Yeah. I wonder if that's what comes next. I don't know, man. I don't know, but it's it's uh, it's uh, it's getting out of hand. It's I mean, we're we're on their hands right now. Do you think it's reversible? I don't think it's reversible, to be honest. I will I would love to say yes. But there's no fucking, the, how, how will you make this backwards, you know? How, how do you de-escalate the power of these people? And not only violent power, the corruption power, the power they have in politics, they have, the power they have in, into e economics. 
You know, Mexican economy has a lot to do with cartels. Um, the Mexican president keeps uh, keeps praising the um, the money coming from um, remittances from the U.S. It's like, okay, we have hardworking men in the U.S. sending out remittances to Mexico. And guess what? Guess where does that remittance end up in the hands of human smugglers? Because that's not remittances. That's money to pay so people can get their family out of the country and into the U.S., they have to pay smugglers, which is, again, cartel. So it is a coincidence that the higher number of remittances this year has to do with the higher number of uh, immigration flux, you know, in going, trying to get into the U.S. They, they moved exactly the same. It's like, okay, we have more people coming, trying to come to the U.S., and we have more remittances. And when you cross those two numbers, they only make sense. Wow, that's that's insane, man. That's every every single every single thing. It's related to cartel, to to criminal organization, which is there are no longer cartel. This is so sophisticated. Yeah, they're becoming very, 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 very sophisticated. It's fascinating to it is, hear man. about it. When people ask me, like, "What do you do? What do you do? Why why do you embed with those guys? Why do you go and talk to them? What do you risk your life going to them?" I'm not I'm not stupid. I mean, I get I get scared as well. I get I mean, I'm up. It's not like I'm not. I don't get scared, and I want to go with them and help. You know, I get fucking scared. It's it's scary to be around them because you never know what's gonna happen. You know, but um, but I but it's fascinating to me to talk to those guys, how they, how they switch strategy, how they think, how they understand a world that I'm trying to understand. You know, because I come from a good family, from from a good neighborhood. I come from from good places. And I'm like, okay, this is how the economy works, you know, yeah. according to what I read, according to what I interpret the world. But those guys have a different, completely different interpretation of everything, of the world they see, of the economics. Very basic, you know, at some level, very, very basic, but at the same time, very sophisticated. Man, I, I got to, like, the only... I don't know how this ends. I think how it ends just off the top of my head is I think one cartel would have to dominate the entire country. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, maybe, maybe there will be, maybe it will become more peaceful. I don't know, you know, because there won't be so many, so much fighting in between the different cartels and, and it's one unit running the entire operation <clears throat> yeah i don't when, i don't see any other way i don't see it reversing it's not reversing i mean this is not a drug cartel operations now this is we're talking about a, a hybrid insurgency criminal movement it's a it's a hybrid between mafia as we know mafia in in italy or europe like that kind of mafia and insurgency the people from cartel jalisco nueva generación growing they went from cartel, as, as, as you read in the manual of an insurgency movement, they went from small organization to get earning social basis, to getting funding, to trying to destabilize government, to trying to delegitimize, that's, that's the correct word, delegitimize government. Illegitimize. Illegitimize government, trying to step in, and now teaching 
um, official tactics to their people, you know? Um, back then, it was like, just get a fucking AK and let's start shooting. Now they have uniforms, military uniforms, with Cartel Jalisco Nueva Generación here, CJNG. They're driving armored uh, vehicles. They have training camps. They, 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 they're following the fucking insurgency manual. Wow. That's, that's so, so it's no longer truck cartels. That's insurgency. And the tactics that Mexico is doing against them, it's counterinsurgency all the way. Trying to split them, you know, trying to get in, inside fights so they fragment into smaller cartels and then they can go in and break them out. Um, trying to earn um, the uh, trust of social bases as well. Trying to infiltrate rumors. Like recently, it's happening with the Carta Jalisco Nueva Generación. They recently had rumors about a mentor being dead, the leader of Carta Jalisco, the most powerful uh, criminal boss alive in Mexico right now, um, saying that he was dead. And it was all over the news. El Mencho's dead. And I was like, who says so? Who said El Mencho's dead? And I started watching because, I mean, these wars also being fought over in social media. It's not only in the streets. Hey guys, as a business owner and as a new dad, I am learning new skills on the daily. And I think it's really important to keep learning. For example, I want to learn how to better manage my time, how to teach my son sign language, or how to change a diaper in under 60 seconds. If you're always learning, it helps keep you sharp. Like ZipRecruiter, their AI is always learning. So if you're hiring, their AI gets better and faster at finding the right candidates for all of your roles. You can easily review these recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply for your job, which actually encourages them to apply faster. It's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the number one rated hiring site in the United States based on G2 ratings. And now you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash SRS. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash SRS. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. So I follow a bunch of accounts in Twitter and Instagram, Facebook. That is propaganda for the Cartel Jalisco Nueva Generación. Do you have any of those? Do you know any of those off the top of your head? Yeah, I mean the, the names are kind of like difficult because they have like you know Pedro Ceros had a lot of a lot of numbers, but I'll share some some with you and you can have a look at, at it and, and and they are propaganda, a hundred percent propaganda. Yeah. Um, and they were the ones pushing the version that I'll mention is that, and I'm like, so you're telling everybody your boss is that that how does that work? Doesn't really make sense. You will be the one saying no, it's he's not that. He's alive and the cartel is alive. So I felt that was a strategy. And of course, that was a strategy to destabilize um, government, to make them think that a target was dead, but he wasn't. That was a yeah, that was misinformation campaign mm -hmm. put up by Cartel Jalisco Nueva Generación Online. These guys are smart. They're learning from somewhere. Wow. They're learning from somewhere. Now they hide I I IEDs, you know, like fucking landmines. All over Michoacan, the Mexican government had to send a troop to to find landmines, and they found in a single territory, single uh, ranch, over 200 
like a, a cache of them, or they were already planted? They're already planted. They killed a farmer walking with his son around his farm, and poof, one of the bombs went off. Man. Uh, so, I mean, this is this cannot be longer called drug cartels, right? Drug no. cartels were Caro Quintero, you know, what we see in Narcos Mexico, the last season of Narcos Mexico. That was drug cartel. Those guys were just trying to make money out of, you know, shipping trucks into the U.S. These guys are after the control of the whole country. They're experimenting with um, cocaine, co coca plantations in southern Mexico to leave the Colombians out of the equation. So they're like, if we get to get our own coca plantations, then we own the whole fucking business. Wow. They, they, they're huge, man. They're huge. And, and it's getting out of hand. And I think the only way I see this sort of reversible if is if Mexico actually declares that this is a fucking war, you know, that we have a violence issue, a violence hybrid problem or issue in Mexico. This has got it. This is flooding into the U.S. and Canada as well. I mean, I think when people think of these organizations, they think they have borders. Mm -hmm. yeah. There are no borders. No borders. There are no borders. No. Not at all, man. Like, I mean, how many pills, how many cocaine, how many heroin is going through no borders area? You know, like the desert. None, yeah. none of it. None of it. Even, even the, the infrastructure of the entire cartel. I mean, it has no borders. I mean, it, it's essentially a business powerhouse. I mean, yeah. Google has no borders. Yeah. Toyota has no borders. There, there are no borders, man. And you know, cartel. It, has no borders. no borders. Everybody in the world is getting addicted to these pills. And you know, it's crazy because if you follow and, and my drugs. account on Instagram, I'm posting everything in English because I write in English. I write for U.S. publications um, and I post everything in English. And I follow a bunch of accounts from people from Cartel Jalisco Nueva Generación, from uh, Mayo Zambada, you know, from criminal organizations. And you will be amazed at how many of those people speak perfect English. I, I was like, what? They keep writing me in English and sending me voice notes in English. And I'm like, how do you, how do you know English? I mean, aren't you like from Cartel Jalisco down in Michoacan? And he's like, no, 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 man. I'm, I'm in Dallas. I'm funding those guys. I'm part of the country, but I'm, I'm, I'm set up in Dallas. This is, this, is my, this is where I was born. I have family in Michoacan or other guy like, no, I'm, I'm in some other place, you know. Wow. They speak perfect English. They're there funding. They're they're funding the fucking cartels from here. They go back and fight. Go back, have an operation, get back to the U.S. That's that's what they do. And of course, I'm not I'm not calling names mm -hmm. for obvious reasons because these people are trusting me with, with that information, you know, with, with stuff. And some of them, of course, are pushing an agenda because I get a lot of messages of people pushing a, an agenda on their own groups. Uh, but I also get a lot of people not pushing any agenda and just straight up saying. There is no way to end this, so I'm joining. I'm fucking joining. There is yeah. no fucking way. There's Jump a lot of people. Get on the train or get run over. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. And the most common thought amongst them is, like, if I don't do it, someone else is gonna do it. So why not make a buck out of it? You know, that's that's the most common uh, way of thinking. I mean, I don't I don't agree with it, but I definitely yeah. understand yeah, it. Yeah, de definitely yes, definitely. That's exactly how I feel. It's like I'm not I'm not gonna agree on that because if you stop doing it and if everybody will think like that, you get defunded. The cartels get defunded. Yeah. But um but I guess that's a way of brainwashing themselves into working with a fucking violent organization, you know. Yeah. Well let's move into the training camp. 
Yeah, that was that was pretty interesting as well. I mean, it was only a night. How'd you get invited there? Uh, the thing is, I asked I asked my contact. I mean, I, usually what I do is before I travel there, I ask him for what I'm looking to achieve while there, and he's like, "All right." So that was not that was not in the plan. The the training camp was not in the plan. The training camp came only after I bumped into another journalist in in Culiacan, and apparently they'd been scammed. Like <laughs> someone told them that they were going to be able to go to a training camp and do this and that, and then nothing happened. Um, so they they we knew we, we met each other and it was like, okay, I'm a journalist too, and I'm a producer and this and that, and then we went off. Uh, I offered them like, okay, yeah, I mean, yes, for sure, let's let's give it a try. Of course, I charge my regular fee as a producer for them. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I charge, I'll charge you this if you have this amount of money and um, then let's go, let's let's try and do it. I'm gonna call my contacts, can't promise you anything. So I had a meeting in my in my hotel room with my with my source. He always, um, even if he trusts me, he always uh, scanned me with a thing to make sure that I don't have cameras, microphones, all that shit, you know. Um, and and I had a I had a microphone in me from the production, but it was a lavalier. It was not hidden, you know. It was it was, yeah. um, and so the, this guy was still like started scanning me, and he's like beep beep beep, and, was, and I'm like no no, it's it's not a hidden microphone. Don't get me wrong, it's from the production because I'm in, being interviewed and all that stuff. So I was like all right, and I told him that these guys wanted in to a training camp, and he's like yeah, let me call the chavalones, the youngsters, and see if they're willing to to take us there. Are they taking cameras? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, nah, just cell phones. And I'm like, undoable, man. These guys are a full TV crew, so we need a big camera inside. And he's like, okay, let's let's give it a try. And we went there. We went to to the training camp, which was basically just a ranch in the outskirts of Culiacan, uh, with a bunch of people uh, wearing tactical um, suits, you know, like military, and a guy giving instructions. The instructions were basically how to properly grab an AK, how to shoot it, because uh, they switched something, which I don't know, you might know, they switched something out of the AKs to making what they call ráfagos, which it's uh, making making them, I don't know. Fully automatic. Fully automatic, I guess, yes, because. It's a sear. Exactly, yeah, they, they do that at an armory. Um, so they're teaching them how to, how to use a different sort of, or a fixed AK-47. Wow. So he was just giving instructions, you know, like, uh, at the count of three, you guys have to shoot at the same target or different targets. So we'll count, uno, dos, tres, and you will hear the da, 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 bunch of them. There were like seven or eight of them. Um, seven or eight? Seven or eight kids, like 20, 20 something years old. I Do you guess. know what they were training for? Uh, they were going to be deployed into Zacatecas, I think. Zacatecas or Durango, I can't remember. They, they're having a huge fight okay. in that territory, so they were going to be deployed there to, to go and fight against another uh, group, which was actually against Cartel Jalisco Nueva Generación. Um, and they were like the new trainees, I guess. Um, so, yeah, we saw that. We saw them shooting. How long is the training camp, did you ask? No, I didn't ask, but they only allowed me to be there for two hours. Um, okay. And they had a bunch of other older people driving armored vehicles around that area, just like surveilling and doing all that stuff. Do you have footage of this stuff? I have footage only of the the shooting range, of the the shooting. Um, And it's not great footage because it was way in the dark and we only had the lights from the pickup trucks uh, pointing at them so I can actually film something. 
So the thing didn't go really well um, in terms of what the TV production was expecting to see because they were expecting to see a proper, you know, U.S. military training camp, you know? They were asking if we could do that by sunset because sunset light is better for TV and where were the ropes that were like, you know, where were like that? So, (laughs) I mean, yeah. Hollywood. (laughs) Yes, they wanted to make everything look like Hollywood-like stuff, you know? And um, so, so, so... (laughs) So I mean, are, this is what you guys do for real, right? Okay, let's just make it all fake. Yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, man, that was that was something. And so these, um, these part of the TV crew made a comment, and she said something like, you're supposed to be the most powerful organization in the world, and I'm not seeing that. So my contact kind of was like, what are you talking about? This is what it is. And then we left. And then I was, I was getting ready to go out dinner in my room and my contact called me. So like, hey man, are you with, with this with this person? And I'm like, well, that person is in, in, in the room, but it's not here with me in my room. And I was like, can you both guys come downstairs and talk to me? Because I need, I need to tell you something. And I'm like, there's no way. I just let it go. I know you're angry about what this person said, but just be cool man and he's like do you think i need that money because i i shared some money some of my money with him just because it was cool and that was out of the plan and you know i was like you know what fuck it you can have a grant you know <laughs> just just go and have fun with with your guys or pay some of your guys for the for the time or whatever just, i was just trying to be cool with him you know in good mm-hmm. terms uh and and he was like you, you do you think i need a fucking grant and he started like counting packs of hundreds, you know, 10, 20, 30, he counted 40, 40 grand. I have 40 grand, 40 grand with me right now. So let that people, that person know that I don't need the fucking money and to come and pick it up, please. And if she want, and if she wants to show to, to see or power force, um, just uh, peek out the window. And I, I went out the window of the balcony and there was like 10 pickup trucks full of armed people around in the parking lot of the hotel. And I'm talking, it's, it's a nice hotel. It's not any like sketchy motel or whatever. In, 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 in a nice, uh, the nicest area around Culiacán called Tres Rios. And I was like, holy man, you, you really need to de-escalate this. Just fucking leave. And it's all good. I mean, we weren't meant to disrespect you. Or, and it's like, no, no, I'm cool with you, man. I'm cool with you. But um, you guys wanted to see power? Well, let them know that we're here. And I'm like, no, you know what? So I, so I called the, uh, the production and said, like, this is happening. And they were, like, all scared. And we're like, well, should, should I call the embassy? <laughs> <laughs> the embassy. <laughs> What's like, the embassy going to do? <laughs> Put them on hold, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> like, should we call the embassy? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna Yeah, we'll send somebody uh, right over. <laughs> <laughs> to, to extract me from this, you know. Whether we're gonna send like a chopper all the way from Germany yeah. to Culiacan. <laughs> so, so I was like, um, I'm gonna go downstairs and try to talk to my guy, and let's see what happens. And, and this 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 guy was like, and what should we do? Shall we call someone? Or she's like, just stay here and wait. Don't do anything fucking stupid anymore, you know. Just stay here. 
I went downstairs and of course I was scared because that was the first time my contact was coming hard, you know. He's usually very fucking friendly. He's usually very service, you know, like he, it's weird because it seems, I mean, he's a fu- he's one of the fucking middle range bosses in Culiacán, but he's always very, um, how, how do you call it, like very uh, accommodating. Very accommodating, yes. It's like, was it good? Did it work? Was the shot good? Um, is it useful for you? You know, he's, he's cool like that. And he's, but now he's, he was, he, that, that, that was his dark side. You know, it was being violent and aggressive and menacing and, and being a fucking bully, basically. And I went downstairs and he's like, get in the car. And I went into his car and, and I was like, man, just, just be cool about this. I mean, they meant not disrespect. You have to understand they've never been in Mexico before, especially covering this kind of stuff. Um, but he was, he was, he was hurt, you know. He was like his ego was fucking hurt. So he was like, "Yeah, but, but those people are not my fucking boss. Who do they think they are? You know, I can get them fucking disappear in a fucking second. I don't take orders from them." But I was kind enough to 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 let them go into a training fucking camp. So what are you talking about? They don't believe we're a fucking huge organization. They think I'm bullshit. They think I'm lying. Wow. And I was like, no, man, no, no, not at all, not at all. It went on for a, for a while, for a good hour. Um, and yeah, after afterwards, it was like, you know what, man? Nah, fuck them. Just let them know that they're not longer welcome in Sinaloa ever um, anymore. Wow. And I'm like, all right, are we cool? And he's like, yeah, we're cool, man. We're, we're good. I mean, it's not with you. I know you understand the shit, but that, those guys. You think that contact's gonna accommodate you again in the future, or? Um, I hope so, man. I'm trying to go with. I'm trying to go uh, on another stuff uh, to to Mexicali with him, with the, with the same organization. And I reached out to him, um, and he stopped answering for like three weeks. But he just recently came back to me. Okay. And so with a different phone number, and he was like, "Hey, man, sorry, I was out doing some shit." Um, so I thought it was anchoring me too. So I was like, "Oh shit, I lost a good contact there." Yeah, but no. Apparently, we're we're in good terms, and I'm trying to go into Mexicali for another another story. Wow. Well, back to the training camp. <clears throat> what? So it was all when you were there. It was all shooting. All shooting. Did you see the targets? Were they accurate? The the fucking targets were like um, dirt, little, you know, uh, mountains. You know. Oh, they weren't. They didn't have no, targets. No, no they okay. didn't have targets. I guess. I guess they don't. I mean, there are only a few of them that that know how to properly shoot like targets and have like tactics and stuff. Like the their commanders, what they call commandantes, um, those are the guys not, that have like a, a have like a lot of knowledge on how to disassemble and assemble guns and all that stuff. But um, the rest of the guys, uh, sadly, they're just. Uh, what we call carne de cañón, you know, they're like people who's gonna basically send off to die in the front lines. So it's 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 so the training seemed very basic. It was here's a gun. This is how you manipulate it. Mm-hmm, exactly, that's and it. that's that's and they will the give them the uh, yeah, they will give them the old AKs, the fucking oldest and you know more worn AKs you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, <laughs> like fucking falling apart and you know. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I I've seen you got some pretty good. Uh, minis, what they call the minis, um, some good different kinds of weapons. Why do you have these old AKs? And he's like, these are kids that are going to die, man. 
I mean, and, the, and, and, and if we get captured by the other group, they're gonna get our guns. We're not gonna, I'm not gonna send these kids out with some nice guns. Those fucking guns are for me and my people, and the people who's taking care of them. Wow. That were like, yeah. So there's fun. definitely different levels of training. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the lowest. The lowest, yes. Count. It was basically for kids that were gonna be sent out to, to die in Zacatecas. Do you know how many, how many kids are running through this training camp a week? Is Ooh, it, yeah, I guess is it a that, day worth of training? Uh, no, I, I think what they do is they train people by like on the go. Like it depends if they if they gather enough kids to to train, they will have to go on training. But if, if there's like a week or several days that they don't recruit anyone, they they will just they won't have a training. You know? so, so they're they're not as as organized like us. You know, like every Tuesday we have a training or whatever. It's yeah. just like uh, he will get a call and say like, hey man, I, I got another 10 or 15 kids. Um, he's telling me they're they're trying to get more, more kids, more people because they need more firepower because Cartel Jalisco Nueva Generación apparently it's grown huge and they need to put up a fight with, with, uh, with them. So. I wonder why they're not, if they have the ability to train them mm-hmm. to... A higher standard. I wonder why they're not doing that because that would be, I mean, when you say, well, I'm not going to give them good guns because they're just going to die. But if you gave them better guns and and a higher level of training, then they would be more effective. Yeah, that would be more more, more effective. But I I don't think they they, they grasp that. They, they're not at that. They're not there yet. Yeah, they they think about numbers. They think about like you know we need more people, even if they're not properly trained. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> and some of the sicarios I spoke with were kind of mad and disappointed that a lot of their guns get uh, stuck or or break during hmm. fight. They're like they're sending us with this shit, and my gun always like gets um, stocked. Or jammed, jammed exactly, yeah. and I'm like, wow, you should call management, <laughs> so you can get better guns. Because, but there's there's enough to die, and the ones who the ones who are loyal to to the cartel, the ones who kill more people, the ones who um, survive most fights, those are the ones uh, promoted to commandants. Okay, and we're talking about. So basically, if you come back alive, you're probably getting promoted. Uh-huh. Yeah. What does this, what does this uh, war zone look like? Uh, how does the whole... Yeah, what is... If, if we were to go, I mean, is it... Is it specific areas? Is it... Yes, they're trying to... What I know is they're trying to do, like, some tactics, like ambush. Um, when I spoke to the, the people... And we'll jump into that maybe later with the people that was the Mayo Zambada, one of their, their top sicarios. They're 24-year-old kids. Uh, and what they do is they get intel that there's a group of the enemies of Cartel Jalisco. They usually don't go after government. They, they just, when it's government, they just react. You know, if the government starts coming over then and shooting or trying to capture or trying to burn their harvests, they will react, but they usually don't go, even if they know where they are set up, they won't go after government. They don't provoke. But they don't provoke. That's okay. that's one of the like the rules I've seen they follow. And every single criminal organization, they usually follow those rules. Uh, <clears throat> but they, when they know where the enemy cartel is, let's say Cartel Jalisco Nueva Generación, they, they gather some intel 
And they say, like, you know what? They are in the outskirts of Durango, in the Sierra de Durango, in the woods. Um, this is sort of like the location we last saw the camp, so they can't be far from that area. Because so we know they're sleeping by, by night, I mean, by day, and then moving by night. So these, tonight, they should be around, I don't know, these range, you know. And so they send a bunch of soldiers to surround that mountain, you know. So that means... They, they stay two or three weeks walking because they walk. And when, when I'm, t I'm telling you what, they walk maybe from one city to another through the Sierra, through the woods. Walking, sometimes using ATVs because they have like some houses of people who, in, 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 and again, in an insurgency group, you have the aides, you know, that are not properly organization. They're not properly, uh, be, they belong to the organization, but they are aides. Uh, meaning an old man or a family that has a couple of ATVs and they aid these guys to let them use the ATVs or their house to stay there for a couple of days. Um, so they have aids in se several towns, you know. So sometimes they'll travel through ATVs or by horses and sometimes they'll just keep walking until they are positioned and say like, okay, this is sort of like the place we needed to be because these guys should be around this area. And on the footage I've seen from one of these soldiers, um, GoPros, when they're around there, when they feel that they're around there, they will just wait and, and try to see if they are actually there. When they see they're there, most of the times they first watch them because they position over the top hills. But in some other times, these other cartel notices them first. So, so then a shootout breaks and when it, it depends on uh, a group that makes it like if they are, are outnumbered they will just try to get away or they end up being all killed and then they, they gather some more guns ammo money um, I saw a fucking gruesome footage about a Carta Jalisco Nueva Generación member uh, getting like an uh, initial ritual like if you want to belong to these forces and stuff and he was eating, I think it was a heart or a lung. I couldn't really tell because I, I didn't watch the whole fucking clip. But uh, of, of, a, of a man they killed, of a, man, of a soldier they captured. And apparently that was a ritual they had to, to eat the uh, organs of a recently deceased person. Yeah. That was, that was fucking brutal to watch. That was like, what the fuck are they doing? And yeah, he was like biting out of, it, out of the fucking, I don't know if it's the heart or the lung. Um, Most likely the heart. The heart, right? Well, it makes sense. Have you seen these other world? Other, mm, yeah. Really? Like, a, is is it like a war tactic then? It's a thing that's been in around mm. for a long time. <laughs> you know. That's yeah. That's what I thought because I think they're using that, the, and and that might point out to where they're getting trained for from or intel from. You know. It's um, it demoralizes the enemy. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. Because another group, when they captured, I don't know if I don't know if you actually watch uh, Vice Vice documentaries. I mean, they can they can be tricky in some other parts of the world, but when it comes to Latin America, they're very fucking accurate and they're good. So they did uh, some some of my colleagues in in Vice World News. They did this embedding with the Cartel Jalisco in Michoacan. 
and they interviewed a comandante called el M2 M2 and he was a, a high up commander for Cartel Jalisco uh, a few weeks after that they killed el M2 and they burned him alive and um, so i guess that's what they were doing like trying to demoralize the enemy by capturing first the commander second a known and public commander who gave an interview to international news and third by burning him alive so wow they were sending out, sending out a message mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's basically how it looks and in in um there is this uh documentary called sicario warfare if you uh look that in youtube it's fucking amazing man it's good access to to how an operation of sicarios looked like Okay, uh, I'll have to watch yeah. that. No, yeah, it's pretty That'll good. Be interesting. It's pretty good, very recent, and uh, and yeah. Do you think these cartels are going to keep one upping? Yeah, you know, they ate the hard. Where does it end? <clears throat> is the next guy going to eat the brain? Uh, has that been happening? Do you think it's happening? And it's it's tough that I, I don't know if it's if it's too gruesome to even talk about that shit, but. Uh, the most recent thing I I saw was they killed a woman. I don't know if she was part of the cartel or whatever, but apparently she was. She was pregnant. She was like seven months old, pregnant. They killed her, got the baby out, and killed the killed the. Oh man! I mean, that's 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 that just makes my fucking skin crawl. It's it's another fucking level, man. It's yeah. another fucking level, and that's happening in a country right next to this one and yeah. you know and a country that is my country it's i can't fucking understand that shit man it's that was that was painful to watch that was painful to, I, I didn't watch the whole fucking book yeah i didn't even i did i didn't even watch a second out of it because i read the description on what they they sent me and asked them like can you stop sending me gruesome shit i'm not really into that uh but thanks for letting me know this is happening um and people all over, I have a bunch of groups from Telegram and Signal um, from different organizations and stuff. And people keeps asking for those videos, man. People is getting fucking sick in Mexico. Yeah, but I, people are like that. You know? I don't know why. They want to see when, I, when guys come on here and they talk about people they've killed or, or in, in, in war. You get these weirdos that are like, oh. Yeah, they get, like it. Can I see, can you post that? Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Like what? They're like, anyone has the video of the pregnant woman? I'm like, why in the fucking world do you want to watch that, man? That That's going to get into your brain. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it's it's escalating. Uh, it's escalating the intel and the tactical cartels are, or criminal organizations are getting. And now there is a fucking ridiculous um, race between the Mexican military and cartels. It's like a cold war in between the same country, you know? Because no. the Cartel Jalisco shows up with IEDs, and then the Mexican cartel shows up with, I don't know, big, huge fucking war tankets. And then the Cartel Jalisco shows up with these armored vehicles, level eight, and then now the Mexican military shows up with a rocket launcher called, the, uh, I can't remember the name, but it's a, it's an old rocket launcher from the 50s, you know, this. Yeah. You know, as, as sophisticated and as smart as these cartels seem to be, that, it's all ego in the end, right? Mm-hmm. But that is just pure ego. If they really wanted to become effective and scare the shit 
out of their enemy, they would utilize torture techniques mm -hmm. because <clears throat> if I killed you right now, took your heart out of your chest and ate it, you wouldn't know the difference, yeah, nor would you give a shit. Mm -mm. But if I did things to you while you're still alive and left you alive and then the enemy came and found you mm -hmm. and they they saw that you've experienced all of that pain and you're still experiencing that pain yeah. that's that's a different level yeah are they doing that i don't i don't think they're doing that i know that they do that uh to people they want to get info from mm -hmm. but not really like a show of force no i don't think they're still still using that 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 shit yeah. uh, not that i know at least um not that i've seen uh what i what i have seen is they capture family members and that's how they break sometimes enemies um this last sunday there was a huge massacre in michoacan during a funeral in broad daylight there was a guy from cartel jalisco cartel jalisco is breaking up from the inside and that's that's a counter counter insurgency tactic put up by the Mexican government. It's trying to break Cartel Jalisco into small pieces, you know, and it's working. It's working, it's fragmenting. So now the Cartel Jalisco is a huge fucking war inside, which we haven't seen before, but that happened to Sinaloa Cartel. The most powerful became several small factions. And now the most powerful is Cartel Jalisco and it's becoming several small, small factions. So they, a guy from Colima, from the Cartel Jalisco Nueva Generacion had a beef with another Jalisco Nueva Generacion member from Michoacan from way back. Because this guy killed his brother and then this guy got revenge and killed his brother. Uh, and they now, they both became bosses on their own turf. So the mother of the guy from Colima died recently from old, 82 years old. And she had a funeral, the family put out together a funeral in Michoacan. So apparently this guy called the higher bobs in the Cartel Jalisco and said like, hey man, I need to go to my mom's funeral. I'm going in with just a few men, but I need your permission to go in without this other motherfucker getting to me. Cartel Jalisco said, yes, okay, come over. He did five minutes in the funeral, 20 fucking pickup trucks showed up with this other guy. They, did a, they had a standoff. They gather all the people, put in a line, all the people in the funeral, and they had a list of names of, of these guys' people. So they're like, okay. So they took family members, some of them, and they took his soldiers. And then someone shot a fire from inside the funeral, and whole fucking hell broke loose. After killing 17 people, they still had the time to clean everything. They, they cleaned with, with uh, sweeps with water, they clean the whole fucking bloodshed. They even tried to repair bullet holes from the of, of, out of, of the wall and they took the bodies of the deceased out. And that's only because there is an order by the Mexican government right now to lower homicide rates. And the government said, we need to lower the fucking homicide rates no matter what, no matter what translated into criminal organizations on, okay, we're not gonna kill people, we're gonna disappear them. So now the number of people disappeared in Mexico is spiking up while numbers of homicides are, are waving down. Wow. And that was, that was impressive because there was like videos and clips of these guys cleaning the blood, piling the bodies, making as if nothing happened. That the whole thing lasted for five hours. No authorities to be seen. They have professional cleaners. Cleaners. 
yeah, they brought like a machine. You can see like a like a like a car wash machine, you know, splitting the streets. It's a whole other level that they, they have now, man. Damn. Well, let's take a quick break. How did you choose which internet service provider to use? The sad thing is most of us have very little choice because ISPs operate like monopolies in the regions they serve. They use their monopoly power to take advantage of us customers. Data caps, streaming throttles, the list goes on. But worst of all, many ISPs log your internet activity and then they sell that data to other big tech companies or advertisers. To prevent ISPs from seeing my internet activity, I protect all of my devices with ExpressVPN. With ExpressVPN, I feel confident in knowing my personal information is protected. And because I live out in the country, I can't risk having my internet connection slowed down one bit. And ExpressVPN does all of this without slowing down my connection. No wonder it's rated the number one VPN service by the Business Insider and The Verge. So stop handing over your personal data to ISPs and other tech giants who mine your activity and sell off your information. Protect yourself with the VPN I trust to keep me private online. Visit expressvpn.com slash Sean. That's E-X-P r-e-s-s-vpn.com slash Sean to get three extra months free. Go to expressvpn.com slash Sean right now to learn more. All right, so we're back from the break. <laughs> and uh, after that discussion about torture and what they're doing, I don't, I don't know if I want to go to lunch afterwards. But, yeah, <laughs> maybe, but, um, maybe not. <laughs> but let's move into something a little lighter. So you, you partied. Yes, I happened to to spend my birthday in, in Culiacán and I was sitting at a restaurant and I know um, a couple of friends, uh, uh, El Enfermo, hi to, to El Enfermo, I want to wanna cheer to, to El Enfermo because he's a rapper in Culiacán, but he's the only fucking rapper doing this thing. He's mixing regional Mexican music, you know, like banda or corrido with rap. And he's doing great, man, and he's, and he's growing, and he's going up, and if you guys want to listen to him, it's called El Enfermo, the sick one, because he's fucking sick, for real. <laughs> uh, so he called me, he knew that I'm, I was going to be in Culiacán around that, that time, and he um, hit me up while I was having dinner at a fancy restaurant in, in Tres Rios, uh, and he was like, hey man, what, what are you doing? I'm like, having a drink and having dinner. And he's like, we're, we're having a small gathering. And um, my other friend, uh, Eduardo, the, the guy who was one of the co-authors of Sicari Warfare's uh, book that I wanted to, to bring down to you and I'm going to send you. Um, I'm with, with, with Eduardo, you want to come over? And I'm like, for sure, it's actually my birthday. And I'm like, oh man, so yeah, let's have a fucking proper party for you. And I'm like, all right. They were very sketchy about where I was going. They were like, okay, just... Real quick, so... You're going to party with a cartel boss mm -hmm. who's a ra also a rapper. No, no, that's not the rapper. Like, I, I, I didn't know that I was going to meet these two fucking cartel bosses there. So I, one of them's a cartel boss, and the other guy wrote the entire tactics program for the cartel. No, this, this, I, so the guy who called me is a, is a rap singer. Mm -hmm. and, the, and he was with Eduardo, which is a, a producer who wrote Sicari Warfare, 
which was the photo, a photo album uh, of a sicario embedding um, in in a in a in a in a in a fight, you know, like okay. following a fight. Um, these two guys gave this guy a GoPro to go and film everything, and then put everything together into a book and into a documentary. Fucking genius, man! They were like, <clears throat> but I didn't know that they were gonna be in the party, and that they, the party was gonna happen actually on that guy's house, on on the head of Sicarios for Mario Zambada, who is the one with the GoPro. Oh wow! <clears throat> and I didn't know that, so I was just gonna meet these two guys and 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 have a couple of beers, but they were like very sketchy about what I was going. It's like, ah, oh, start driving in this on this location. When once you're close, just give me a call and I direct you. And I, I took it like, oh, everyone is like that, sort of like that in Culiacan. You know, you have to be careful. And I went to this really nice residential area in in Culiacan, and they asked me to stop on the other side of the uh, of the sidewalk, walk over. Got into an elevator, a beautiful apartment with fucking, you know, uh, Mercedes vans and, you know, nice cars. And I went in and I see a table full of fucking drugs, arms and radio communications. And I was like, what the fuck is happening here? And in the documentary and in the photo album, you can see the faces of the Sicarios for obvious reasons. So I... I I turn my head and I see these two kids, 20, 20 year old kids, early 20s, just sitting there, you know, making some lines and just listening to narco corridos, drinking. And then this guy introduces me like, hey, this is our friend Luis Chaparro, he's a journalist. Um, and, and, and this is El Compa, I can't say his name. It's El Compa, it's Compa Blah. And I'm like, hey man, great to meet you. Are you El Compa Blah? in the documentary and they're like yeah that's me and i'm like holy fucking shit and then there was another guy who's like oh he's my second in command another kid and i shook hands with both of them kept drinking all through the night i i went in with a with a six pack of the cactus you know <laughs> if i if i knew i was well maybe we'll show up with a proper bottle of something you know of whiskey or some tequila or some shit like that but I just arrived with a fucking six of the cactus and um, it amazes me how this guy's soul is completely gone from their body. You know, they're, we're all talking, we're all having fun, we're all like sharing experiences. I'm of course all very curious about the book and about the documentary. How was that made? And I was like, well, how was it? And how many times did you film? And these guys were completely out. You know, just like smoking, snorting, smoking, drinking, snorting. All through the night, um, you will you will see a glimpse of happiness whenever a corrido about himself will come up in, in YouTube, and he'll like, "Esta me gusta, esa es muy buena canción." And but all through the night, they were just they were just absent. You know, they weren't there. They were like, they're staring at nowhere. They're trying to escape their own head. Yeah, yeah, really, really quiet guys, um, and. That was that was the whole night. I I didn't spend a whole time there, but like let's say from eight p.m. to maybe twelve one in the morning, and I was drunk by the time I left. I was like feeling tipsy, and and I was like, do you think I'm gonna get in problem with the police if they caught me driving drunk? And they're like, if you have any issue, just call this guy. He'll fix everything for you. <laughs> like, all right, thank you. <laughs> I hope I don't have to call you. Um, and, so yeah, we shook hands 
Um, we hug each other when when that, that this guy because we usually say hi like uh, uh, like every other Mexican even if you never met him you say hi with a hug you know you so I was like see you man thank you very much for having me in your place and then when he was like close to me it was like just be very discreet you know you know that right and I'm like no yeah I know and I was like I know you know just I just wanted to make sure just be discreet about this place and I'm like yeah 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 for sure man like by all means and I left but those guys were or are the uh, right hand of El Mayo Zambada and in El Grupo Flechas, it's called the group, the group, the Sicario. It's like the elite Sicario group for El Mayo Zambada. Um, and that was fucking, I mean, I wasn't expecting that, you know? It's incredible how you find yourself in these situations <laughs> like over and over. You know, I almost feel bad for those guys. Like, on one hand, you know, it's, well, you're in the cartel, you're a piece of shit, you know, and, and, but on the other hand, they don't have any options. That's what that's. I think that's what people in the United States don't understand. Yeah. I mean, you know, people in the United States think you have it tough when the government sends you a free check, mm -hmm. a free place to live, you get free food, you get free education, everything's free, 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 free. And because you're not wealthy, mm -hmm. or because you know, you're getting only free stuff, and you. They bitch and they yeah. complain, but they have options. Yeah, I mean, they have the option of keeping their fucking lives and, yeah. and being safe. These guys, there's no check coming from the government. There's no free place to live. There's no free food. There's no free education. There's no free medical. There's no free anything. Uh, yeah. And that's what, it. it's unfathomable for most Americans who've never been outside of the U.S. to understand that. And with these guys, yeah. you know, they have... They have no other option yeah. but to join the cartel exactly. and, and to and, do that. And imagine how be I, I will I would like to maybe make an exercise of like the people watching this, this channel and, and think ask them to think about them being in a country that doesn't give you anything for free, that it's impoverished by the most part, but that also lives next to a rich country, you know, to a first world country. Yeah. So it's like you are you live in a small village house right next to this mansion where the kids have everything and you leave uh looking through your window to that house and want it to be that you want to be that you want to have the cars you want to have the checks you want to have the freeways you want to have what they have in this first world house many of us people like me who have the opportunity to be dual citizens we can go back and forth, back and forth all the time. When I, when I like to live in Juarez or in Mexico, I lived three years in Mexico City, but then I went back to El Paso. And then I, I have the benefit of both, you know, I have the, the benefit of both. My, my friends also, a friend of mine has just uh, made this trucking company in the US because it's a dual citizenship. And he writes me every often and, and says, dude, uh, I owe my fucking life to my parents that brought me into the US because I'm a Mexican and here I can thrive and I can work hard and I can drive my own fucking truck and have a trucking company and I'm so fucking happy about this that I'm not being forced to live in Mexico because I have no other option. Um, my other friend has a furniture company and he, he says exactly the same like I owe my fucking life to my parents that brought me here because otherwise I will be stuck in Mexico and there's no fucking way you can do uh, 
uh, successful um, you know, furniture company in Mexico without having to do or to be extorted or to be kept if you're being kidnapped or even to thrive. No. And, but these kids, they live impoverished. They live in the outskirts of Kulek and these guys are not even from the city. These guys are from the ranches around the city. But still, they are exposed to, to the life the U.S. portrays outside, yeah. you know. So they want that. They're fucking jealous of that. They want the Mercedes-Benz. Yeah. They want the house. Because you can tell the house is it's almost like an American house, you know. Very fucking American house. It's a, like the, the faucets are all American. The fridge, very fucking American. The TV. It's know? amazing, you know. how I mean... We were talking last night about that. I just did a trip down to Mexico at Calderon and we went into a migrant camp and, you know, and I'm very, I've been all over the world. Mm -hmm. I've seen the poorest countries in the world and, and I was, I was still very extremely tough on immigration or my viewpoints were, and I still am somewhat, you know, but, but when you go down there and you go into that migrant camp, mm -hmm. it shifts it shifts your perspective because you're in it. Exactly. You're in there and you're seeing what's going on. And when I was telling you about, you know, I, we uh, pulled two Hondurans out that made the trip up to Tijuana, up to that migrant camp. And I'm talking to this guy and he is, I asked him what he's doing. And he said, I'm, I asked him how it came up as I asked him, would you rather stay here under a tarp on a parking lot or go back home. Cause he had been there for, I believe three years, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. And he said, I would rather stay here no matter what. He's like, I have a business here. Mm -hmm. I said, well, what's your business? And he had pulled out a little portable battery charger. <laughs> and he said, I go around and I charge people's phones for a dollar, dollar man, a dollar. Yeah. Which is probably doing really good until you know, yeah, compared to where he came. Obviously, he would rather stay there and sleep on a parking lot mm -hmm. under a tarp yeah. than to do that. And then when you think about Americans, mm -hmm. you know that we can't even get anybody to work right now. Yeah. And I would trade so many Americans for that guy sitting right there because you know he's going to come in into this country and he's going to contribute mm -hmm. to society and work his ass off to get what he, you, you know, you know where I'm going with this. This, this country has the great blessing of helping thrive hardworking people. All you have to do in this country is work. All you yeah. have to do is get to fucking work and you thrive and have your heart on it. And that's it. But that's not enough. Yeah. In my country, you know, that's not enough in my country. You can work your ass off in my country. You can put all your heart into whatever you want to do in my country. And that's not going to be enough. And you're, no matter you're, what, you're going to have nothing. You're never going to fucking thrive. Never, man. It takes more than that. It takes luck. It takes corruption. It takes doing things the wrong way. Because the taxes we fucking pay for everything, it's crazy. The, the, the amount of money the government takes out of you. The um, vulnerability you are to your own government or to criminal organizations or to the mix of both, you know. You can be well off, working, having your pretty life. And then you get kidnapped 
get you get um, um, I don't know extorted, or then you get a bunch of military outside your home saying that you did something and you never and you spent twenty fucking years in jail just because they thought you were something else. Talking about journalism in Mexico, I, I wrote for 10 or 12 years before actually starting writing in English to US outlets. Um, and my career thrived somehow to some level in Mexico. I got to the top magazines in Mexico, did the top stories, um, being interviewed in TV all the time. But uh, who, was, who was having my back? No one, man. Like, no one. The government won't have your back. Once shit started to hit the fan against journalists, um, and I was getting paid shitty, which I was fine because I still lived with my parents in a, one of the best neighborhoods in Ciudad Juarez, a fucking, yeah. you know, a fucking dream residential with a five-story house with a basement and a huge fucking uh, garage, and they were paying for my two cars, and I was living... Fine. So I didn't really need the money to to keep leaving out of journalism. All I had to do is to thrive, because that's what I wanted to do. But then, when I married, had my son, actually got out my my parents' house. I was like, oh shit, I need to work for myself, and this is not enough. I mean, the the best wage that I got, the best like when I was rich, it was uh, thirty grand, a hundred and fifty. Uh, 1500 grand a month you can fucking live with that even in Juarez you know it's it's not I was living by myself okay fine it's it's enough to to rent an apartment never to own a house to pay for my gasoline and this and that but then I had to do something you know I had to I had to switch lanes or do or or decide to close my career forever and then go to to do something else because I was not gonna be able to support my family with that fucking wage you know yeah. Um, and I decided to make the crossover and start writing for English, for English spoken uh, or written magazines and, and outlets and start producing more for U.S. companies like Netflix and uh, Amazon and HBO and doing documentaries for Showtime and that kind of stuff. And my fucking career started thriving a lot, started thriving like crazy when, when I did the crossover. And I learned that all it takes in this country to, to thrive was to fucking work, to get to work, to get your fucking ass to work and do it properly and, and you'll be fine, you know, you'll do fine. Uh, and and I was like, wow, just just switching languages, just switching a border, which is basically a line, an imaginary line. <laughs> mm. Everything changes, everything switches off. Uh, but, but a lot of the people in Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, uh, Salvador, they don't have that possibility. They do not have that opportunity, you know. They want it. That's what they are trying to get here, you know. They're trying to get here to work, most of them. And I know I've met some of them that are, that are not, you know, hardworking people. They're fucking thieves. Um, they're fucking bad thieves, basically. I've met a bunch of fucking thieves that they've just been deported like three or four times. And they're trying again and they're saying... The U.S. is my country, and I love that country. But once they step foot in in the U.S., they start drinking and robbing people and doing shitty stuff. Yeah, there's definitely those are the people. A tricky. I mean, it's a tricky subject to. It's it's gonna it's 
it's tricky to solve because you can't take everybody. Yeah. You know, you just can't. But the and you, but the system's broken. You know, it, it is broken. There is no. Whenever you're setting <clears throat> up walls in the middle of the desert, but leaving your ports of entry vulnerable to fentanyl pills, that's got to be something wrong. Yeah. You know. Well, what do you got coming up? Well, I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to travel to Michoacan. I'm, I'm looking up for traveling to Michoacan to learn about the drones operations, the weaponized drones they're using. It's a hard time right now because there's a rumor around all organizations in Michoacan that there's going to be a journalist who's going to be an infiltrate, not by the U.S. government or the Mexican government, but by the other cartel. They think that both cartels fighting each other, they feel that there was going to be a journalist who is from the other cartel and just want to try and you know, uh, get some info or some intel and then sell it to the other cartel, some shit like that. That was the last time I I heard over from Michoacan. So I'm in standby, see if the rumor goes away or something like that. And I'm, then I'm able to go and embed with with one of these organizations. Uh, I'm very fucking interesting into that. Yeah. Into that, that, that part of the world. It'd be interesting to learn about their intelligence gathering. Yeah, definitely. You know, how they do it. Yeah. How they... I mean, because I'm sure they're running all kinds of intelligence and, and yeah. espionage, especially, you know, on each other. Especially and, online and uh, especially online. They're using a lot of technology, man. They they have their hands on technology on like these drones. I mean, I've, I've seen footage not taken by regular commercial drones, but actually these drones that tell you attitude and that can be like super way fucking up and like a huge zoom. Um and of course, it's I. They've shared that information with me because it's propaganda, and I've never shared it out because I'm, I'm going to be helping who the fuck knows who. But um, but they, what they wanted to say is like, look, here's a convoy of Mexican military selling weapons to a cartel. I don't know if they're selling or they're giving away weapons supporting this cartel. And yeah, in the footage, you definitely see national guard or military pickup trucks. Uh, unloading a bunch of what it looks like um, boxes with arms and a couple of pickup trucks with armed men, civilians loading all that into their trucks and taking off and um, you, you could say it was like a arms trafficking operation but um, and it will be interesting to put it out you know to me as a journalist of like hey, this is happening but because of the source that came up to me with that I was like, I can't confirm anything, you know, coming from this source. Because yeah. they want to push on an agenda. So I guess that's their whole apparatus of information, gathering the stuff. Uh, I know they, they see my videos. I know they watch what I post. I know they, they're following me because they want to learn about other organizations and all that stuff. Um, I guess I guess it's something that, uh, that I have to be careful with, you know. Yeah, what, because, what, I mean, what, what am I sharing and, and what am I withholding? You know? They're killing more and more journalists down there, from what yeah, I understand. I mean, in the whole 2020, they killed seven journalists uh, during the whole year, which was a lot. Uh, and in the first two months of this year, there's been a, um, seven. So we're over the first two the first months. Two months. There's been seven journalists killed. Two from Tijuana, another from Oaxaca, uh, Michoacan. I can't remember the other place, but uh, but it's been seven already. The whole number for twenty twenty, for I mean from twenty twenty one. So that's that's a lot. They're killing a lot of journalists. 
And I believe it's part of these tactics to to illegitimize the government because people is not going after criminals. The regular people is not saying fucking Cartel Jalisco, fucking Cartel de Sinaloa, they're fucking us up. They're saying fucking government, they're doing nothing to protect us, to protect our journalists. Yeah. And I don't think that's by coincidence, I think that's by design. To to hit uh to hit journalists, to hit doctors, to hit uh, nice people and you know, well people. So I think that's by design. It's interesting that they they want journalism because they use it as a PR platform, which helps them with their recruitment. But on the same hand, they're killing journalists. So it seems kind of counterproductive to yeah. me. Yeah, but, but look look at the journalists they're killing. They're not killing yeah. journalists um, uh, on national TV or international journalists, you know? They're killing journalists that are tying names to certain murders. And, and, and Exactly. And correct. Local, especially local journalists. Okay. Local journalists that they know they are not protected by any international law or, or whatever that means, any international outlet backup, or that they're not going to get heat for that. Because it's way too different what's going to happen if they kill me or they kill the, I don't know, New York Times correspondent in Mexico City. The fucking international community is going to step up to find those motherfuckers and the whole attention is going to go for that criminal group. But if they kill a local journalist, who's gonna? Yeah. No. Who's gonna? Who's gonna go after them? Yeah. The people's gonna get mad at the government for not protecting this journalist, and that's what they want, and that's why they're hating these uh, local journalists. Hmm. And and that's that's crazy. But um. But yeah, I mean, I'm 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 working on that, trying to stay safe, trying to. <laughs> To keep uh, putting up stories, um, trying to find interesting stories, but also trying to find truth behind talking points in in U.S. media. US yeah. media it's it's been it's been doing an awful job, to be honest. Uh, it's a joke. It's I can't I can't believe people even I can't believe people even watch it. I mean, every I guess not everybody knows, but I, I think it's the I think it's the older generation yeah. that still believes that the traditional news networks are telling the truth, and and it's sad to see because no, it, it's ruining the country. It is, man. It is, and if you talk to and this is this is important to 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 tell. It's not us journalists. It's not producers behind the camera. It's not media workers. It's the execs. Most of the executives, they hold the, they're decision makers, but they don't come from the news. They come from business, they come from economics, they come from all over uh, backgrounds, but journalism. So they don't care. They don't give a fuck about journalism. Yeah. What they give a fuck about is about numbers or about who's going to fund their channel, talking politicians, talking other businessmen. They, they think they know what the audience want to hear. But it's not what the audience want to hear. It's basically what's gonna make the audience fight. Yeah, they want the outrage. They want the fucking outrage, and we're we're playing that game. And people most are of falling them, right into it, though. Yeah, and yeah. most of us media workers don't agree with that, man. But but that but sometimes that's a job. Yeah. Sometimes you get a win. Sometimes you pitch a story 
that it's a well story and well angled story and telling the truth and sometimes you get the win sometimes you're like this is a good fucking story this is what I'm talking about um, especially when it doesn't have to do with the US especially when it's something which is good for me because I cover the foreign desks mm, so when I'm talking about Colombia I'm talking about Mexico I'm talking about that they usually leave me alone they're usually like alright yeah let's run that story why not but if it's US related they will get you know Peaky and tricky that will get like, no, no, that's not the proper angle. Let's let's go on this side because the audience will feel that this is too this and that, and if they start manipulating the whole fucking thing, and then the piece out, it's completely different from the fucking pitch. Well, that's where I come in. And, and exactly, <laughs> and that's where you come in, and that's that's what I fucking love about your show. I think there's more useful information in in your channel than in any fucking TV station, and. And coming from a fucking journalist, <laughs> I, I do news and I and I produce for TV. But this is the real thing. Thank you. This is this is where you find truth, and this is that's that's fucking cool, man. That's what I'm trying to do. That's just, amazing. Just tell it like it is. It's and that that's simple. Great. And that's because you're not tied to anything. To anything, Nothing. but yourself. Yeah, and that's it, man. Well, we're talking about doing some stuff together down the line, maybe. Let's do that, man. But yes, I mean. I will. I will love to because I was telling you this uh, yesterday. I was telling you your experience in fighting and you know going to other places could be very enlightening to know what the shit is happening on the ground in Mexico. And I would love uh, to have you going and embedding to places like Sinaloa. Chiapas with the Ejército Zapatista and all those guerrillas. There's a new cartel in Chiapas called um, El Cartel de Chamula. The Chamulas are indigenous, basically Mayans uh, from the Maya uh, ancestry. And they form their own fucking indigenous cartel to wow. fight the Mara Salvatrucha that is coming all over Chiapas and to fight the old or what is left from the Zetas. So that's that's an interesting place to go. That's an interesting thing to watch. Um, maybe going to to the Chiapas border with Guatemala, and you will find the hotels, like right in the fucking hotels, a lot of Romanians, Russians, a lot of people from those other countries <laughs> staying there, doing I don't know what. They, hmm. The last time I was there, there was a huge group of. I think they were Russian or something like that, staying at the hotel. No one could tell me what they're doing, what they're doing there. I asked the taxi driver. I asked the front desk girl. I asked the police. Nobody. No, everybody was like super sketched out. They were like, because I thought they were um, they were Greek. And I was like, why is there like Greek people? And everybody knew like, no, no, they're not Greek. They're Russian. And I'm like, why are the Russians here? Oh, no, I don't know, man. No, I, I can't tell you. But they were, you know, all over the hotel, smoking cigarettes 24 hours outside, making phone calls, drinking, jumping into taxis, going off, getting back, making noise all, all through the night. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I, will, I will love, to, um, I will love to, to, have you, to have you south of the border and go to Juarez and go to different, different places. I think that will be that will be something that your audience will will enjoy and and that I personally will enjoy too. 
to bring you with me in one of these um, reportings. That would be... What do you think? I think it's going to take a lot of research, yeah. and uh, I never... I never drop a location before I go. It's always after I'm already out. Um, so, you know, for obvious reasons. Yeah. And uh, but I am down. I do like your idea. I really like your idea of interviewing the hitman. Yes, I think. Uh, I but think. Yeah. I would like to do that if I get enough support on Patreon. Yes. You know, please. Then we'll make it happen. But <laughs> let's, um, yeah, let's push for that, man. Because that will be that will be fucking interesting to watch to uh, to watch you talking to to one of these hitmen. Uh, and so you, I think what you can do is like you can judge how much knowledge these people have in, in the use of arms because us journalists can know a lot of other things, you know, but maybe not such a specific stuff. And I guess now Mexico is all about specifics, yeah. especially this time. You know, you need to know what kind of training they have, how they're using their guns, like these armor uh, that I went into Culiacán where they were switching this thing that you know the name of and I can't remember the name of the piece they're switching it to make them full automatic the sear mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's what that's only because it's I guess it's cheaper to buy not semi semi-automatic guns and then just switch them mm -hmm. I guess that's the reason behind that but no. um, but that would be that would be interesting to to watch so so yeah, I mean, it's gonna take a lot of planning, a lot of negotiating as well, because because of your background, of course. Um, I'm not gonna be able to to lie to these people and to yeah. hide that part uh, of of your background, and and so I'm gonna have to negotiate a lot with them and and test their trust as well, you know. Yeah. Test like how how trustworthy I am with them and. And then let's see. It, may, it might not even happen. It might. It might end up in them saying like, "No, fuck no, man, no, no way." I wouldn't blame them. But <laughs> me either. <laughs> but, but um, but it might end, end up happening, and and that would be that would be interesting to to see to yeah. watch, especially because uh, I don't think you're gonna be able to be um, carrying anything <laughs> while we're there. No. So that's gonna be fucking tense. Yeah. To see, that's gonna be fucking tense. It wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> but uh, well, I want to wrap this up, and uh, I just want to thank you for coming, man. You always have like the intelligence that you're bringing back after these trips is just phenomenal. You can't get this stuff anywhere, yeah. and um, and so I just want to thank you for coming back and 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 giving me and the audience your time and 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 telling us what you found down there. So. One more time, where's the best place for people to find you? Um, I think in my Instagram, especially. In my Instagram, I post my link in bio, and I have uh, my YouTube channel. I have a Substack account where I put a lot of detailed information that I... All the info that don't, doesn't really make it into a story, into a news story, because it's, it's too detailed. Uh, I post it on my on my Substack account, and, um, and that's where I share names, locations, gatherings, uh, maps... You know, that kind of intel <laughs> that might Perfect. be useful for, for someone. Um, and thank you, man. Thank you. It's always a fucking pleasure, man. It's, it's really cool to be here. And, and my whole intention in coming over is just to tell truth and to share truth. Because I see what you're doing on your channel with other guests. And I see they are raw. They're raw information. It's, they're sharing their, the truth. One last question. If you had three people, doesn't have to be three who would you recommend? Who would you want to see on this channel? 
definitely Victor Avila, we're, we're, we're talking about him. He, he got screwed by both U.S. and Mexico government. Okay. Um, he, will, he will be cool to, to watch here. Um, I think um, a colleague of mine, Ian Grillo, um, he's, a, he's a UK journalist living in Mexico and covering arms trafficking specifically for maybe 20 years. He's very knowledgeable and he's fucking cool. He's, he's great and, uh, and I guess he's gonna love the show. And maybe one of the, uh, one of the criminal assets living in the US. That will be, that will be interesting. You interviewing directly one of those guys who lives in the US. I mean, it's a long shot. Yeah. But, uh, but that, will be, that will be dope. Well, make the connection. We'll make it happen. <laughs> we'll try to. All right, Luis. <laughs> Thanks again, man. And hey, best of luck. Be safe down there. And uh, I'm sure we'll see you again. All right, man. Thank you very much. Cheers. Finding suitable mental health medications can be a challenge. The GeneSight test may help. Did you know that genetics can play an important role in gaining insight on how a person may respond to various medications? Understanding this may help reduce medication trial and error. GeneSight is a genetic test that analyzes variations in DNA. It shows how genes may affect someone's metabolism or response to medications commonly prescribed to treat depression, anxiety, and other mental health conditions. Visit GeneSight.com for more information. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.